Good morning again. As we continue our series on biblical growth, how to grow as God's church, you know, I've come to realize that the ground has shifted in remarkable ways over the past two years. With the onset of the COVID virus, people or many folks have actually changed their habits of worship. Now look, I recognize that this virus has demanded that we take precautions with our health and our safety, rightfully so. But this morning, I want to look underneath those two issues, and and I want to focus our attention on our habits of worship. See, I believe this pandemic may have very well altered our worship habits. For example, this is a no-duh. Technology has changed the world. We know that. I mean, modern technology has changed uh, the way from multifunctional devices. There's a smartwatch, the smartphone. The computers are absolutely amazing. They're more powerful. They're portable. There's so many different devices we have at our disposal, and, 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 and they're, they're good. And they've made our, our lives easier. They've made our lives faster and for some more fun. And I, and I get it because I use all of these things. But there's a negative side to this as well. Did you know that the average American adult spends more than 11 hours daily in the digital world? When we use all these digital devices for hours on end, it's often paired with extended time of of, of sitting, right? Whether at a desk, a chair, a couch, your bed. And we know that a a sedentary lifestyle leads to increased risk of health issues like um, diabetes and cardiovascular disease, colon cancer, and the list goes on and on. Did you know that the more electronic uh, devices you use at night, actually alters your sleep. It's hard to get to sleep. And once you do, you don't sleep as soundly. So the digital world's affecting our sleep, and that's an issue. But here's my point. Technology is wonderful, and I absolutely love it, and I use it. But it comes with a cost. Now, this pandemic has halted America and the world in its its tracks, and it's changed our worship. For example, technology has given us the ability to worship online, which I think is a great idea, and I fully endorse it. As a matter of fact, I'm so grateful for this technology because two years ago, when we went into shelter in place, we didn't miss a beat. We were able to go live through Facebook Live on Sunday. As a matter of fact, here at Grace, we're going back online August 7th. And I'm, and I'm delighted. But you know what? Going online gives us challenges as well. Right? I mean, because for some, it changes our habits so drastically that for many, we feel the need not to worship together anymore. There's something about being together. And I personally think this is alarming. I think this is a problem. And I think we need to refresh our thinking on our worship habits because if we're not careful, we can potentially develop new harmful habits in the future. 
So when we look at this portion of series called Biblical Growth, How to Grow as God's Church, I spent a lot of time thinking through this. I've spent more time thinking and praying through this series than any other message I've ever get given. And it dawned on me, it dawned on me that I think I need to address the elephant in the room. And the elephant is simply this. We are neglecting meeting together. And as I talk, I'm not just talking about Grace Church. I'm talking about the church worldwide. We are neglecting meeting together. So this morning, um, I want to take a look at Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 19 through 25. And I'm going to spend most of my time camping on verses 24 and 25. But you know what? If we're not meeting together, how can we grow together? So if you have your worship Bibles, you can follow with me, or I will have it online or on the TV. Starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, since... And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I'd like to offer through the scriptures a couple reasons why I believe we must develop the habit of worshiping together. And one final disclaimer, I have no issues with worship online. Fair enough? All right, number one. We come together because God commands it. I mean, when you think about it, God commands us to come together, and this alone should really settle it for us, right? But it sounds a tad heavy-handed, and we tend to resist a command like this. But it's something that God wants us to do. Again, verse 25, not collecting, neglecting to meet together. And by the way, even Paul says in 1 Timothy 4.13, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, the teaching. But you know what? Sometimes we, we simply do not obey God's commands because we want to understand why, why he wants us to do something. Believe it or not, sometimes we actually want his rationale to verify whether his commands are good for us or not. Listen, God doesn't tell us to do things because he has needs. God tells us to do things because we have needs. Because God's commands are good for our soul. Every one of God's commands is for our benefit. Every one of God's commands is for our holiness. Every one of God's commands is for our safety. Every one of God's commands is for our security. Simply, every one of God's commands is for our good. Therefore, we cannot neglect meeting together. Why? Because God commands it. Simply put, I think one of the great tragedies of this age in which we live in 
is there are so many people who claim to know and love Jesus Christ for not worshiping regularly together. Things happen on Sunday. I'm not being dogmatic or legalistic. I'm talking about meeting regularly together. And I think it's a shame. I mean, take a look at recent trends and worship attendance over the past decade. The committed are less committed than they used to be. I mean, over the past decade, for example, the number of people attending church weekly has dropped. According to a recent Gallup poll, Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, synagogue, or mosque, down from 50% in 2018 and 73% in 1999. Listen, church membership was 75% when Gallup first measured it in 1937 and remained near 70% for six decades before beginning a steady decline around the turn of the 21st century. So obviously, it's more than the pandemic, but I think the pandemic certainly didn't help. We must stop neglecting God. Remember, guys, Old Testament saints did not have access to God. You could not get behind the curtain. Again, verse 19 that I just read, says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. The author of Hebrews is comparing the way it used to be with the way it is now. See, the Holy of Holies was one place where most Old Testament people were curious about, but there did not go. Then Christ dies, and at his death, uh, the curtain in the temple rips from top to bottom. And notice again, verse 19, by the blood of Jesus. You know, when you come to Christ and you get saved, we have direct access to God. We don't need to go through anyone or anything. What an incredible privilege this is to be a born-again Christian in the New Testament, in the church age. Wow, I don't think we really understand this incredible access and privilege we have. But please, I want to say this very clearly. I'm not suggesting that if you're not worshiping regularly, you do not have access to God. I am simply saying that, being, that not being with the family of God on a consistent basis often hurts a person's walk with the Lord. I've done a number of counseling over the years, and people who tend to have issues or not, not walk, if they're not walking with the Lord, they're normally not in a church. You see this over and over. We need to be together. I know I say this all the time. We're just better together. Listen, sadly, sadly, we'll be, we'll be at church unless something better comes along. We'll be at church unless something better comes along. For some, all right? I mean, pick your poison. Ah, you know, the commanders are playing at 1 o'clock. I, I, you know, I got to stay, stay home and get ready for it. It's a beautiful day. I'm going golfing, or I'm going boating, or I'm going camping. Oh, Dennis is preaching. I don't, want, I don't want to hear Dennis, you know, <laughs> right? Or I, I want to say it, and don't get angry. My kids have a baseball game or a soccer game, all right? I, I mean, it's all there. Did, did I miss anything? 
So I'm doing my best to be an equal opportunity offender here, okay? All right? I'm trying. <laughs> Thank you. Put the I wish card down, all right? Here's my point, folks. Gathering together as the body of Christ should be the most important date on your calendar every week. It has to be. It's the one weekly corporate appointment every Christian is commanded to make in Scripture. And sometimes we just don't value it as we should. And we all do this. We do what's important to us. Listen, I don't think people are necessarily leaving the church in droves. I just don't think they're worshiping on a regular basis. Okay? We need to develop that habit of worship. Again, this series is titled How to Grow at God's Church. And if we're truly going to grow, we need to be together. Two, we need to confront one another. I know some of you are thinking, all right, Dennis, what's up with you today? It'll get better. Trust me. All right. You know, there are over 50 one another's in the New Testament. And one of them is to stir up one another to love and good works. To stir up one another to love and good works. What does it mean to stir up? Well, it means to provoke or to promote with intention and purpose. Listen, unless you have some people around you whom you allow sometimes to, to confront you, uh, to provoke you, you're not going to grow spiritually. Iron sharpens iron. But guess what? We can't love, we can't encourage, we can't provoke, we can't confront, we can't urge each other if we're not around each other consistently. If we don't know each other, if we're not in consistent community with other believers, or if we neglect meeting together, then we cannot do the stirring that is needed, and we all need to be stirred up sometimes, all of us, no exceptions. There are many one another's in the New Testament, to include rebuke one another. If you really love someone, if you really love someone, then you will confront or admonish when necessary in love. And this is why, folks, we must worship together because we are a congregation, and a congregation is a community, and a community is where we come together to encourage each other to touch each other's lives. It's just so important. People just don't come here to hear someone preach or to have an experience. We come together to, to pray together, to, to grow together, to teach together, to learn together, and this church to eat together, all right? And yes, to confess our sins to each other. It's why we come together. Folks, if we're not in consistent community, we can't do these things. We want to grow God's church, this church, but God's church. Let's not forsake the one another's because we need to build up the body of Christ, and we cannot do this alone. Now, I know we can't do all the one another's on Sunday. I, 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 I get that. Therefore, we may need a different setting to fully experience all the one another's. That's why we have life groups, small groups. Right? That's a great setting to do these things. Now, I am not su uh, suggesting you replace your small group with corporate worship. I believe you supplement the small group with worship. You ever notice when I preach, I always get that small group commercial in? 
But I just think it's so important that we do that. That's where the one another's really, really occur. Again, we need to be in the habit of worshiping together. You know what? On the Lord's Day, I personally need to be with the Lord's people. I need to be with you all. It's just that important. I told you it'll get a little bit better. We need to encourage one another. Verse 24, let me read that again. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Notice that the writer isn't simply thinking about how you get something out of meeting up with other people. No, it's equally about what you will give. The writer says, stir up one another. The writer says, encourage one another. The writer says, one another twice. We help each other, right? We, we, we give and we receive. So we meet with other Christians both to get encouragement and also to give encouragement. And I think the emphasis here is what we give. What we give, right? I think when we meet other Christians, we should always be thinking about how can I encourage that person? Always having that mindset. How can I encourage that person? Look, it's not difficult to build up people in the body of Christ. We've all been given the fruit of the Spirit, right? So it's not that hard. And I think when we meet other Christians, we should be thinking about how we can encourage them and ask God, who can you put in my life where I can encourage? There's 130 people here or whatever. If every one of you encouraged one person this week, Look at that. It's amazing. All right? Who is God putting on your heart? Or why don't you ask God to put someone on your heart who you can encourage this week? Look, folks, we live in a culture that can be very discouraging, right? I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. Think about what the entire world has gone through in the last couple of years with COVID. I can't tell you the number of people recently have come to me dealing with depression or they're anxious about things. Um, there's a heaviness. And it's not just adults. It's our children, too. It's, 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 it's hard. People are just plain discouraged. How do we help? What's the application here? How do we encourage let me share a couple of ideas from the scriptures that I, I think uh, might help. All right, when we encourage one another, be warm and inviting from the heart. All right? Proverbs 17, 22. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. You know, when we're in consistent prayer and when we're studying God's word, God's presence has to rub off on us. It should. All right? So wherever we go, we should usher in a spirit of peace and joy. Because you know what? We're children of the king. Don't ever forget that. By the way, we need to become aware of whether our presence invites people towards God or away from God. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, um, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are representatives of Christ. Here's my question. Are you a good representative or are you a poor representative? I've shared this story before, but it bears repeating. About two and a half years ago, my wife and I were building uh, a house, 13 houses down from where we had lived. 
So every night we would walk down to that house to see how far the builder got. And we live in Golden Beach, and it was kind of cool. We started to meet neighbors uh, for the first time. And I realized that, one, in Golden Beach, everybody knows everything about everyone but me. I, I knew nothing, right? And so I met this gentleman who was cutting his grass. He goes, oh, yeah, you live at that house. Yeah, you're that, you're that preacher dude. So, well, no, I, I, I work at the church. He goes, well, yeah, yeah, my wife thinks you're really unfriendly. <laughs> Kathy looks at me. I look at her. I was stunned. I said, well, I'm sorry. Because, well, yeah, yeah. It's every time she drives by your house, you never wave at her. And I'm thinking, okay. So when I'm in my front yard, I'm normally cutting my grass, or I'm just not paying attention. I don't hear well. But you know what? It hit me. Regardless, I was not a good representative of Jesus Christ because they knew who I was. They knew what I did for a living. They knew that I was a man of faith. So now I'm a waving fool, all right? (laughs) Seriously, it takes me an extra 30 minutes to cut the grass because i got to wave at everyone now. But, you know, it's the price you pay. All right. We need to instill the word of God when the opportunity arises. Psalm 19.8. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. God's word has answers Every situation in life. As believers, we're given insight to the scriptures. And you know what? We can help and strengthen others by sharing the word of God. Listen carefully to what they are saying. James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, I know there's a lot of brilliant people in this room, and we may always have the perfect answer or solution to someone's problems, but sometimes it would be best when we're listening to allow a person to share their heart. Listen. Sometimes the best counseling is just listening. We should strive towards patience and self-control while trusting God to reveal his will and time. Again, our strongest encouragement Sometimes it's not saying a word and just listening. My wife tells me all the time, I just want you to listen. Don't give me any advice. I don't want you to fix it. Just listen. And this is hard, especially for guys. We just want to fix the problem. You know, but you know what? The word listen is in the Bible, I believe, 278 times. That's a lot. Understand their difficulty instead of downplaying it. Psalm 69, 20. Reproaches have broken my heart so that I am, am, that I am in despair. I looked for pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. You know what, folks? Ignoring the difficult conversation or even ignoring the difficult person may not be the, the right thing to do to build them up when they're going through a very difficult situ, uh, struggle. Sometimes avoiding the tough conversation or even the tough individual will just make matters worse because you never know what they're going through. You never know. What should believers do? Well, we should ask God for wisdom so we can give uh, a word of encouragement. And remember, folks, our response should always be sympathetic and grounded in the love of Christ. But we can't avoid those who 
We call them EGRs, extra grace required people, okay? We, we can't avoid them because at one point, we're all EGRs at one point, all right? Do not avoid difficult people or difficult situations. Press toward the positive. Be hopeful. Ecclesiastes 9.4, and I love this verse. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Love that verse. Love that verse. Hope is for everyone alive, even when their situation is incredibly overwhelming. There is hope in Christ for every hardship on earth because God has the power to turn every evil into an opportunity to reveal his grace, his mercy, and his strength. That's the kind of God that we serve. So we must always press toward the hope of Christ at every opportunity. And finally, let the building process begin. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Wow, there's people around us everywhere we go. I mean, work, church, home, school, People, we're around people all the time. And some of these same people are struggling with words and actions of other people. And folks, many of them are still hurt, hearing hurtful words from their childhood. It is the grace of God that gives us what we need to overcome our own difficulty and become a source of encouragement to the hurting. Please, again, spend some time praying and asking the Lord, who you can encourage. Who, Lord, can I make a phone call to? Who can I send a note to? We have to do this. We have to do this. We all need encouragement. This is why we need to gather together. Do you feel the energy that comes with having other believers worshiping together in a worship center? I mean, I do. It's not about numbers, but our attendance encourages each other. Last year when we could not meet, um, during the shelter in place, and Pastor Bruno and myself, Courtney, and a few others, we came. We had six or seven people here on Sunday wearing the mask, and we're, we're talking and preaching into a camera, and there's no one out here. It was hard. It was difficult. We missed you <laughs> because we need you, and it just wasn't the same. I, it was so hard not worshiping seeing your faces out there. Look. Athletes and teams, sporting teams, they get energy from that home court advantage, right? It's no different for us. We get encouraged being around each other. I tell you, I love being here on Sunday. I love being with the people of God. It's, it's encouraging. Why we must be together. We have to worship and be together. Finally. We need to step it up. We need to step it up. Last verse. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, in, as is the habit of some, but listen, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Notice the end of verse 25 where it speaks of the day drawing near. This day is the second coming of Christ. As we know, stress and trouble will only increase as the day approaches. We know that. 
as we move closer to the second coming of Christ, we must encourage each other. We must encourage. We must stir up one another. We have to do this. But more importantly than encouraging folks, we need to be aware of the Great Commission. Folks, listen, as we see the day drawing near, we must center our lives on the Great Commission work. You know what it is? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is the mandate of the church. I mean, this little catchy phrase is a cute way of sharing the Great Commission. It says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't stop there. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Remember, Jesus has authority and he has commanded his church to make disciples, to baptize them, and to teach them everything he has commanded. That means we need to study and teach God's word as a family. That means we need to um, make disciples as a family. That means oftentimes discipleship starts with evangelism. And we're going to do this as a family. We're going to have training for evangelism. Um, a couple days ago, uh, several of the elders met with Cedric Brown, our disciple um, missionary. You know, we're going to ramp up discipleship. We can't wait. This is the mandate of the church is to go and make disciples. We can't wait another day. We've got to do this. But here's the cool thing. When we do this, a cool thing happens. A beautiful thing occurs. The Holy Spirit brings dead hearts to life, and those new creations join other new creations in a local church. And we, we at the local church, we do the Great Commission work together. We are better together. We are better together. I don't know when the Lord's coming, but there has to be a sense of urgency, friends. There has to be. A church must come together in unity and center our lives on the Great Commission. Let me say it again. One more time. We need each other. We need each other. The pandemic wasn't or isn't the only reason attendance is declining. It's been declining for years. Around the time of World War II, experts feel around 25% of the United Kingdom attended church on any given Sunday. Today, less than 5% attend a worship service in the UK. Did you hear that? Less than 5% of the people attend a worship center, a worship service in the UK. If we don't change our worship habits, our nation's church attendance will continue to decline. We can't have that. We come together in corporate worship, folks, because this is when and where the Holy Spirit shows up to teach, inspire, interpret the scriptures. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. The Holy Spirit is what draws out the truth from the sermon and applies it to our heart. A 
I cannot think of a better way to conclude um, this service by having a demonstration of the Great Commission. Um, several months, over a year ago, um, Mike Metz and Jack Sup uh, met an individual um, at some parking lot and uh, started a conversation with this individual. And um, for over a year, uh, Jack Sup has been discipling this individual. He's given his life to the Lord, wants to be baptized today, and wants to be presented as a member. This is Great Commission work. Jack, take it away, brother. <laughs>